with you guys the last uh, you all the last several weeks about that God has really been talking to me about speaking about faith through the month of March, and um, I know so many of you are believing God in your life um, on a lot of different fronts, the things that you're facing and dealing with physically, mentally. Of course, the world is offering us opportunities. Uh, the stock market's all over the place, and so if you have your retirement out there, you know, you could be wondering about all of that, uh, is invested in the market. Um, if you, uh, of course, the coronavirus, Chuck talked a little bit about that earlier, and uh, the fears that are out there that people are, are dealing with with that. And, uh, you know, I love the, I love the um, just to kind of give you a testimony with this, Alexander Dowie, who was, a, uh, was an incredible man of faith, um, actually, he uh, founded Zion, Illinois. I didn't know if you knew that or not, but uh, he was actually the one that founded that city. Um, but Dowie was such a powerful man of faith and believing and trusting God for healing that the, bubo the bubonic plague was, was, uh, had come into the area that he was in, and there was so much fear over it that it would kill, you know, because it was just killing people, okay? Just taking people out. I mean, there was... There was very little recovery possibility with it. And um, when people would die, they would foam at the mouth at the end. And uh, Dowie was praying for these people, for miracles for them. And people said to him, Dowie, you need to quit doing that because you're going to get the plague from those people that you're praying for. And Dowie said, I will not get the plague. And if the plague touches my body, it will die. They said, well, that's great that you, you think that, but, but we've seen too many people die. You don't want to let any of that get on, any of those fluids get on you at all. And Dowie said, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put some of that fluid under a microscope. I want you to see that that is a living organism, that, that, that virus or bacteria or whatever it was. And uh, they did. And he says, now put it on my hand. They put it on his hand. He says, now scrape it off my hand and put it back under the microscope. Every one of those cells was dead. Every Look, there are great possibilities in God. We're only scratching around on the surface of understanding of what God is, what is capable for the believer. With the, Now, I'm not saying go out and be foolish about stuff. That's not what I said. But don't you dare let fear grab your heart to make you afraid. I'm telling you this morning, there are people that don't go to church because they're afraid that somebody might have it in their church. It gets a hold of people. They won't go anywhere. They won't get around people. They're canceling sporting events right now. They're canceling concerts. They're canceling all kinds because people are, they're, they're afraid. It's the fear that the enemy uses that destroys. Amen. Hallelujah. But listen, no matter what, we are overcomers. Plus, look, you're a believer. So if you go, you just got a quick exit. Amen. What do you care? I mean, look, you're going to be with the Lord, right? So I have no fear about that. Why be afraid? Why be afraid? Is it real? Yes. But is there a way to deal with it? Well, that's with faith. So whether it's the market or whether it's, you know, the financial markets or it's the, you know, Listen, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're not ignorant about what's going on in the world, obviously. We're here. We know what's going on. But we, 
our kingdom is a separate kingdom than this world. And we have great possibilities as God's people. And I think you'll, as we study through this, you'll, you'll, you'll bear witness with this, that we have great possibilities to change the world that we're in by bringing God's kingdom into this earth. I want you to think about this prayer. You know this prayer. This is out of, the, this is out of um, uh, Matthew chapter 5, where he taught, his disciples said, teach us to pray. And part of the prayer was is that he said, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right? See, what, what a lot of folks live their life by is, is that in the reverse of that. And what we need to recognize is, is that it's what heaven says that lasts. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of the Lord endures Forever. Amen. I want you to say this out. Grab your Bible there in your hand with me. I want you to say this out loud with me. Um, it's not our normal confession, but if you have a Bible, electronic Bible, it doesn't matter. Um, I want you to hold it up near. Come on. I want you to say this out loud with me. My Bible is the integrity of God in written form. Let's say it again. My Bible is the integrity of God in written form. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. You can put your Bible down. It's the integrity of God. You know, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that there are two immutable things. One, that God has made a promise. Two, the second immutable thing is he cannot lie. That's integrity. So when God says it, that's what God means. When God says it, that's what God means. And when he says it and he means it, then he is saying that all of heaven will back up what I say. He doesn't change. He doesn't go different directions. He, doesn't, he isn't worried about the world economy. He's not. He's not worried about all of the things that are going on. Jesus did not live his life on this earth, a man, a, a, the son of God, but a man living as a man in this earth. He did not live his life on this earth feeling fear that everybody else was feeling. God did not give us, according to the book of Timothy, a spirit of fear. He didn't give that to you. The word fear there in the Greek language, it means he didn't give you a spirit of cowardice. See, that's to me what the enemy's trying to do is to make you a coward. You know, you see all this stuff going on. Your kids are going bonkers. Your finances get weird. You know, you don't have money to pay your taxes. I mean, all this stuff that's happening, what it does is, or your, the report you got from the doctor was not so great, all that that is trying to do is to make you fearful, to make you a coward, and to not stand up to the adversary. The thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. You have life, and you could have it more abundantly. So the promise of God is, is that, look, he's with you, if you'll let him be with you, that you could live your life fear-free. And we ought to live our lives fear-free. There isn't a single thing about your body that does well with fear. Nothing. Why? Because you weren't created to be that way. You were created to be a vessel of faith. A vessel of faith. 
So when things happen, we're not, like I said, we're not in denial. We're not saying these things aren't real. We're not saying cancer's not real. We're not saying that uh, disease, uh, other diseases are not real. We're not saying that poverty is not real. But we're also saying with that is, is that though we recognize that those things do exist, we recognize also that something greater exists. Wish I could get a good amen. Oh man, something greater exists. So I want you to turn with me to Mark 11. Mark chapter 11. Sometimes the introduction will bless you more than the message. So, <laughs> so this is the testimony from the scripture about uh, the fig tree, as you well know. And, of course, Jesus, when he was passing by earlier in Mark 11, they're staying down in Bethany and uh, at um, Mary and Martha's house, Lazarus's house. And uh, they're going back and forth to Jerusalem. So when he's on his way, he gets hungry. And he sees a fig tree, and it has leaves on it. And according to the way that the, the uh, horticulture worked, that the fig tree is one of those trees that it produces fruit before it produces leaves, okay? So when he sees leaves on it, there should have been fruit on that tree as well. He goes over the tree to get and sees there are no figs on the tree. So what does he do? He, he responds to the fig tree, and he curses the fig tree. He says, you're never going to produce again. Now, I know people feel sorry for the fig tree, but remember, the fig tree is out of order. The fig tree, the fig tree is out of order. It is not following its natural course by, DNA, by its DNA. It's not producing its natural course of producing figs. It's just not doing it. So, hey, when I have a tree in my yard and it's not doing what it's supposed to do, guess what I'm going to do with it? It's just taking up space. It's just making me have to do rake up more leaves. So I'll put a tree in that's going to do what it's supposed to do. Okay? So he curses the tree. Now, as they go by the next day in the morning, verse 20, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them, and you will. What's the last part of that? Now, what does God mean by that? What is Jesus saying? I mean, is he telling us that we'll have it, or is he telling us we might have it? I mean, is he saying that it's yours, or is he saying that it could be yours? No, he's saying that if this is what you're saying, then this is what you are having. This is what you are having. Now, I'm going to make this really hard for you. You are having today what you said yesterday. Now, I'm going to, I want to make this clear. Excluding people. Because you have no control over people. 
And sometimes when we talk about believing God, standing in faith, you know, people think somehow that we can control what people do, okay? No, you cannot do that. You can pray for people. You can believe God that the circumstances around those people are working in their life the direction they need to go. But you can't cast some kind of faith thing over somebody and make them do what you want them to do. One is God didn't even do that with you. God doesn't do that. God doesn't make people do what he wants them to do. He gives people the choice in life that they can go to heaven or go to hell. Does he want them to go to hell? No. But it's like in the Old Testament. He says, look, I set before you life, death, blessing, cursing. Choose life that you could live. My choice is I want you to choose life. But you still got to be the chooser. Right? And if you choose to not take life, then you got to live with your choice. Thank you, Pastor. So my point with that is this. You can't control what people do. See, that's witchcraft. That's not biblical principle. So there are all kinds, you know, there are all kinds of things I want my children to do, but they don't always do what I want them to do. Right? Now, take that, and you could hear God say the exact same thing. You could hear God say the exact same thing. There are all kinds of things I want my children to do, and I've told them to do, but they all don't do it. And he's God. But because God will not violate the will of a man, that he, a man or a woman that he gave to them, he lets them make their own choice. So what we just pray and how we should pray is, is that everything that's available to us as God's people is influencing their choices. Amen. It's influencing their choices. Man, I pray for my kids. I mean, I pray over them that the right people are coming into their lives, that they're influenced, that... I'm praying that they have dreams in the middle of the night that are about God, about his kingdom. I'm praying that they're confronted with revelation, knowledge, and information, that they have to make choices in their life about God. I have every right to pray that, but I do not have the right to make the choice for them, for them. Are you with me right now? So... You say, well, that doesn't feel like we have a lot of power. Yes, we do have a lot of power. Because we have angels that are working on our behalf. You look at Hebrews, it tells us that he sent angels as ministering, uh, uh, Hebrews 1, 4, uh, 1, 14, that angels are sent as ministering, uh, ministering agents for you and I. They're, those angels are out working on our behalf. Amen. Are you all with me right now? So, man, I, I'll tell you what. And, and please, 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 don't pray. If I could just finish it with this and then move on. Don't pray. God, do whatever it takes. If it, they have to come close to death before they will find you, then, Lord, let it. Don't pray that because you are giving permission, not to God, but you are breaking down the hedge of protection around them. You pray that they're so surrounded by the presence of God that they're having to fight against God to be able to keep him away from their life. Can you say amen? amen? Well, Lord, let them get cancer so they'll turn to you. Or God, let them have, go bankrupt so they'll turn to you. Or God, let them get in a terrible crack. Look, 
there have been lots of believers who've prayed that. I've heard it preached in pulpits. Don't pray that. You pray that there, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, not the destruction. Amen. Because God is not, look, God is not honoring that prayer, but what you're doing is you're releasing the adversary by your own prayer to go against your family. That's good preaching. Amen. All right. So Jesus says, have faith in God. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you say to the mountain. So now the, the question, and we've, I've mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, the question here is, is why do you have to say something to the mountain? You have to say something to the mountain because you have to respond to the mountain the way the mountain was created. The mountain was created by words. It is words that will undo the mountain. So if you just keep a finger here and turn in the book of Hebrews with me, real quick. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Almost there. Hebrews 11. And, uh, you know, when he talks about faith here and all the things he says about faith. But in verse 3 is where I want you to look. He said, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That the worlds or the ages were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Because words are not visible. Now, they're visible, of course, if you can get in to see the vibration spectrum and all of that. But words, the things that he's saying are created came from things that you can't see, that they came from God speaking. And when he spoke those words, creation came into order. So he said, let there be light. There was light. He said, in fact, he hadn't said let light stop yet, so light is still creating. You know, science has proven that. It's just... The, the universe continues to expand because God hasn't said, light stop. So he said, let there be light, let there be firmament, let there be this, let there be that. And everything that he spoke, everything, all the trees, all the grass, all the stuff that was on the earth came because he spoke it. The only thing that didn't come because he well, he did speak this when he said, let us make man in our image, but he hand, he hand made man. But that was by his word as well, because he said, let us make man in our image. So he created man from the stuff that the earth is from, made from, right, which came from stuff that he spoke. So everything we see came from something that was not seen. Your Bible tells you in the book of Corinthians, it says, that we don't look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen. So what you're, so stay with me now. What you're not seeing is your faith at work. The things that you see is not necessarily your faith at work. The things that are seen, that are not seen, is where you are adding faith to your life to call those things into existence. You say, well, do we have the right to do that? 
Well, you're created in his image after his likeness. There, look, there is nothing more powerful in the, on the face of the earth in the spiritual realm than the spoken word. There is nothing, uh, there is nothing more powerful. The only, thing more pa- the, the only thing more powerful in the natural realm is written stuff. Because if you put your signature on something, you write something, and it's in your handwriting, that can hold up in a court of law. But your spoken word can't even hold up in a, in a court of law, but it holds up in the court of heaven. It holds up in the court of heaven. What you say, what you speak under authority of the scripture, under the authority of God's word, is what is producing in your life. So the question I want to ask you is, what are you saying? What are you saying? Well, I'm old. I'm getting older. And, you know, they say when you're older, you'll have arthritis. Okay. Is that really? Is that really? Now, look, I realize that's a seen thing in the natural course of things. But can your strength be renewed? Huh? Can you live arthritis free? Well, absolutely you can live arthritis free. God didn't say, no, you're going to grow old and get arthritis and you're going to be in a lot of pain and then you're going to suffer and then you're going to wish you were dead and then you'll be dead. Well, listen, I'm just going to tell you, there's a lot of people that's their perspective on age. But I choose to be like Caleb. Amen. 86 years old. Stands up and just says, look. He says, I'm as strong today as I was 40 years ago. I'm as strong today as I was 40 years ago. He said, and here's the thing. I'm ready to take on whatever I got to take on. I'm ready. He didn't say, well, I'm old, you know, so I guess it's up to another generation to do it. No, he said, I'm going to lead the pack. I'm going into this. I'm going to do this. See how that, see how the enemy starts selling this bill of, bill of goods in this natural world and that, well, we're getting older and, you know, and our, our, we're weaker. You know, today, and I'm, I'm not going to get into the depths of this, but I am stronger today physically than I was when I was in college playing basketball. I'm stronger today. Stronger, physically stronger. And look, that's supposed to be like, you know, nobody, hardly anybody thinks like that. Because why? Because we buy into this idea that, well, we're just, you know, we're older. You know, we're getting part-timers, old-timers, all-timers. Look, stop saying all that nonsense over your life. Is that really where you want things to go? I mean, are you wanting, this, are you wanting to be, if, you're, if, you're, if the principle of speaking it cr- creates, what are you saying over your life right now. Let's just set everybody else aside. Let's just say, what are you saying over your body? Well, we have a history of arthritis. And, you know, Pastor, I mean, come on. You know, what do we? Look, I, I get it. I, I totally understand it. I got My family's got all kinds of history of illnesses and depression and, I mean, all kinds of stuff. But look. I am of a different kingdom. I'm, I'm in a family. It's not just the earthly family of the Jolliffe family. I'm in a family of Jesus Christ. I am born again, bought by the blood. I am redeemed from the curse. If you go and read all those curses in Deuteronomy 28, 
And look, I am redeemed from every single one of those. There isn't, there isn't a disease that he, I'm redeemed from coronavirus. I'm redeemed from the flu. I'm redeemed from pneumonia. I'm redeemed. Hallelujah. But see, that's what fear does, is fear persuades us. And how is fear created? By the same principle that faith is created. Because, see, fear isn't just something that you have in your heart. Fear is something you're talking about with your mouth. You're saying these things over your life. You say, well, well, it just sounds to me like you're trying to stop me from saying stuff. Yeah, 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 that's exactly, exactly right, yes. Yeah, stop saying that stuff, right? And I had somebody say, well, you know, Pastor, I just I can't remember stuff. I must have part-time. I said, stop saying that. Don't say that. See, the problem, and, and, and let's dig this a little deeper. You all doing okay right now? Let's take it a little deeper. The reason you say it is because that's what you believe. So where we got to really get to is what you believe. What you believe. Now, what you believe is influenced by what you say, but what you believe is not created by what you say. It's not created by what you say. What you believe comes through hearing the word of God. Faith, according to Romans, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith is of the heart. And it manifests in the mouth and it changes how you live. Faith is of the heart. It's in here. It's, a, it's an inner work. Faith is an inner work. It's a, it's a rebuilding. You know, I, um, if you've looked at any of this about how that neuroscience is now discovering that people, the way that they live, the, the function of their life, how that they, you know, the, uh, in psychology they call it trigger, how that they trigger into bad circumstances in their life, how anxiety that is ruling, look, anxiety is ruling our country right now. Fear, that anxiety, that, that turmoil, how that, all of that is built through neurology because we've believed something, we've said it enough to ourselves that now we're convinced that that's what's going to happen. And so events happen in our life that actually trigger us to that anxiety. And then, you know, like people say, well, I'm, I, I can't be in crowds. Why can't you be in crowds? Well, when I was little, I ended up in a big crowd and I was lost. And Okay, so that's right. I, I agree that happened. But is Jesus not big enough to heal you of your fear of crowds? But you can't change that unless you change the way neurologically or how you believe about things. You have to change what you believe. You will not experience anything you don't believe God can do. You can't. You will not experience anything you don't believe God can do. It took me a while to believe that God could save me. But then I finally did. But see, after I got saved, I didn't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I was like, that's not real. That's fake. Listen to those people jibber-jabbering and carrying on. And, you know, they're weird and they lift their hands. And I'm United Methodist. We hold on to the hymnal. And we're not, I'm not doing any of that. I don't have to do that. I don't need that. All the things that I, these pathways in my life 
this road that I travel down, my inner road, okay? Don't need it, don't need to do it, don't have to have it. But yet, in all of that, there was a part of me, which I believe is the spirit in me, is saying, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do that. Well, it took me a while, and uh, I fought with it for a long time. And uh, I was actually uh, had a moment in my life where I was confronted with my own unbelief. And at that moment, I had to make a decision. When you're confronted with your own unbelief, that's a point of decision in your life. And so I was confronted with it, and I actually, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and started speaking in other tongues, okay? So, and actually, I was listening to myself speaking in tongues, and I thought, I don't even believe this, but I, (laughs) and I'm thinking about all the people that are probably thinking, well, he told us, choose your words wisely, because you may have to eat them later on, amen? You may have, make sure at least they're sweet. I didn't believe in healing. Mike, I didn't believe in healing. My mother told me that Catherine Coleman was a fraud. Growing up, she said, yeah. She said, well, I heard this happen, and I heard these meetings, and that it's all fake, and people are paid to pay. And does that happen? Sure, there are people that do all of that. But you can't deny some of the miraculous things that have happened, some of the incredible things that have happened. And you can't deny the fact that in the Bible it talks about healing. But my mama, she told me none of that's real. None of that happened. She believed in God, but she didn't believe any of the miracles. She didn't believe in the healings today because she was told by somebody that all that passed away, that we don't have that anymore. That was only during Jesus' ministry and the apostles to confirm that the word was true. And then after the last apostle died, that was the end of it. All healing stopped, okay? So... That's the way I was raised. That's what I was told. So guess what? That's what I believe. That was my inner talk that I had in my life, that none of this is real, none of it. I saw people actually get healed. And in my head, my heart was saying, well, they, maybe they really weren't even sick anyway. Maybe, they, maybe there was nothing really wrong with them anyway. But see, that's what happens. See, you have that going on inside. But then I came to a point, especially through Dr. Hagen's ministry, that I actually learned about that healing is for God's people today. You can't receive from God if you can't believe God. You say, well, God's God. He could do anything he wants. And that is, that's not false. He can do anything he wants, but he won't. But he won't do anything he wants because he has committed himself his word. In fact, in the Old Testament, it says that God has exalted his word even above his own name, his integrity. God isn't going to go contrary to his word. He is not. But if he says it, he believes what he says he means. And if he says he'll do it, then he'll do it if we will get in faith and we will believe. What are you saying? about yourself? What are you saying over your life? What are you saying over finances? What are you saying over your health right now? What are you saying, you know, well, I, you know, every, all of us say, I should work out, but are you saying, I will work out? Um, I, I will lose weight. I will do this. I will. Big difference between I should and I will. I will. Big difference between 
I need to and I will do this. Big difference between I need to and my life depends on it. Can you say amen? So, you know, as we talk about these things, why is it important? Because the mountain was made by words. The mountain is undone by words. Now, you might have some mountains in your life right now that you need to get rid of. It's time for them to go. And I'll tell you what mountains do. Mountains, though, though I love looking at mountains, mountains are an obstruction of what lies beyond. And the only way to get rid of a mountain is you've got to start talking to that mountain. You have to demand, according to the Word of God, that that mountain get out of here, get out of your way, get out of your vision, get out of your sight, and be cast in the sea, be gone, get, get lost, get out of here. All right? I love what Wendy shared, you know, that, that whole idea, man. God isn't, look, God doesn't, when God says he's going to get rid of something, if you'll get on board with it, he isn't going to leave the remnants of it laying around. I give you a testimony about this. This is in the Bible. You can study it out later. The city of Tyre, T-Y-R-E. The city of Tyre was so wicked. It's up along the coast there in Israel. And it was so wicked that people had gotten so wicked that God told them, look, if you don't turn from your wicked ways, there will be an adversary that will come and there will not be one, le one bit of your city left. Not one bit. Not even the dust of your city will be left unless you turn from your wickedness. Well, they didn't turn. They didn't listen. Well, a guy by the name of Alexander the Great that you may have heard of, all the people in Tyre when Alexander the Great was on his tour from Greece, you know, to, uh, conquering the world, that they, he came to Tyre. And the people ran out. There's an island off the coast there. And so all the people were living out on this island, and, and they had a fortress out there, and so Alexander couldn't get there. So what he did is, is that he was inspired to tear the whole city down and begin to build, put it into the water. As he would put it in the water, he would build a bridge that would go across to the, this island. And it says in, in, his, in the historical archives that actually they started to run out of material, so they started to scrape the dust. Now this happened hundreds of years after it was spoken. Hundreds of years. Let me tell you something. When God gets rid of something in your life, he doesn't leave a remnant of it. Amen. He doesn't leave a remnant of it existing. A little bit of rubble here. You know, people say, well, he just wants to remind me that, you know, how bad I was. No, God wants to remind you about how good you are because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. I said they passed away. Gone. Right? Gone. All things have become new. So he says, Jesus speaking here says, but you say, be removed, be cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, that's internally, but you believe that those things you're saying will be done. You really, but you're getting to a place in your life where your heart has changed and you're believing it will be done. You will have whatever you say. Then he says, then I tell you, this is what you need to do. I want you to go with me uh, to the book of Romans. Um, no, go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, we're not going to get this done. I'm just going to stop. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. All right, say amen when you got it. 
Look at verse 6. Paul talking about God here to the Corinthians. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side. So now Paul says, look, we have a treasure that's in us. We have this ability that is now in us. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Verse 10, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus could be made manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, dealing with life here, that we're facing death constantly around us. But he says, look, that, that the life of Jesus, he didn't leave it there. He said that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal dying flesh. I want you to see that. That the life of Jesus, not the death, you know, because we say, well, the death of Jesus, we just are bearing the death of Jesus. But he says, look, don't leave it there. That's all the trouble you're dealing with because you're a righteous man and woman. But what you want to manifest in your life is the life of Jesus, which will change things. He said, so then death is working in us, but life in you. Then he goes on and he says this in verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, who's who the same, whose spirit of faith do we have? Who's he talking about here? We have the same because we have the same spirit of faith. He's talking about Jesus here. He's saying, look, you... What creates life is the spirit of faith. He says, because we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he who raised up Jesus, the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus, will present us and then on and on. So here's, here's where I want to finish up this morning. You have... The spirit of faith, if you're born again, it's in you. That ability is a principle that says what you believe is what you say. Now, why is it important what you say? Because it's as you say things over your life, as you speak those things, you create a culture around you. Your words are creating a culture, an environment, if you will, around you, okay? So have you ever talked to someone negative? Right? Negative. I, I'm not talking about like once they were negative. I mean somebody that is always negative. Somebody that's critical. Somebody that's vengeful. Unforgiving. What are they doing? They're creating, they create a culture around them. And when you as a believer get around that, you don't want to be around it. Some of you have had to kind of separate from people in your life because that culture. One of the great ways I brought, one of the best things I did, Joe, that helped me with breaking free from alcoholism was I had to break from the culture that was helping me get drunk. Once I broke from those guys, it got a lot easier to break from that culture. 
When I stopped thinking about how good a bud would be by the fire, right? Watch the game and have a Michelob and all the different. When I started changing the cult, when I started changing what I believed and I changed, it began to change the culture that was around me. And it amazed me. You know, I was, I'm not going to get into this a whole bunch, but it amazed me that my friends, they couldn't, they didn't want me to be like that. They didn't want the culture to change in my life. They were mad at me, actually, because of it. And they did everything they could. I mean, you wouldn't consider. My friends wanted me to be high so bad that one time they baked a batch of brownies. And, and they spiked it just because they wanted me to get high. You know what I did? I went in the bathroom and vomited them out. I stuck my finger down my throat. You're not going to get me. You're not going to get me. They didn't want me to change. But what happens is, is and what, what, what was so powerful is that as the inner man changed and what I said changed, the culture begins to change. All right? See, when you change your attitude about money, it will change the culture of finances in your life. It changes the culture. It changes how you look at money. It changes how you deal with money. It changes how you look at debt. It changes how that you operate your, your financial life. It changes everything about it. The same with health and healing. That when you believe what the word says, it will change how you talk. And as it changes how you talk, it will change the culture around you. Well, Pastor, my culture sucks. I don't like the way thing. I don't like what my culture is around. I don't like the environment that I'm in. I don't like our home environment. I don't like my marriage environment. I don't like my financial environment. Well, let me just tell you, you're the problem. Ouch. You're the problem. Your mouth is getting you into trouble. And your mouth is getting you into trouble because your heart is not right. Your heart is not right. Proverbs, I'll have to stop, but Proverbs says in chapter 4 that out of your heart flow the issues of life. Out of your heart. Okay? So what's happening is, is that what you believe is flowing out of your mouth, out of your life, and it's flowing into how you do things. Joshua 1.8, he said it so clearly there. He said, look, don't, Joshua's like, what do I do, man? I don't know how to lead like Moses. And God said, don't let the book of the law depart from your sight. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Keep it in your mouth. Keep it in there. Keep, keep speaking the word over your life. Keep saying this. And then he says, what will happen is, as you continue, and this is the way it works, is the more that you speak God's word over your life, the more you do what God's word says in your life. And as you speak those things and you say them, then you begin to do them, and then you begin to have the success and the prosperity that God said in his word. But it really starts here. It starts with a commitment to say, God, you're in charge. You're the, on the throne. Your word is predominant. It is preeminent. It is, it is the ruling part of my life. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. 
Dr. Hagen said it like this, faith begins where the will of God is known. When you know God's will, faith is started, and you're on your pathway to, to the miraculous. So, well, Pastor, I'm facing a really huge tax bill right now. Well, you better get your heart right, and you better get your mouth right. You better get your conversation right, how you're talking to others about it, and you better get, amen, and you better get your faith in line, start believing God for the miraculous. Amen. And sometimes what we have to do is we have to tell God that, Lord, we're going to get out of this, and when we do, I'm never going back to this again. I'm, I'm all changed. I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to follow. I'm not going to be all bound up in debt, and I'm not going to be all bound up in all this. I'm not going to deal with this again in my life, God. Help me get through this. We will not come back here. We'll not visit this again. Amen. Amen. Stand up with me, if you would. I hope that this has helped you today, just putting in perspective about faith. We're just getting just starting down. And I could have other scriptures and examples from the scripture. But to me, this message about faith is one that you're going to need this year. You're going to need it. You're going to need it more than you've ever needed. Somebody said one time, Brad, well, that message of faith, that's so set 1970s, 1980s. Okay. Well, uh, actually, it was like back in the BCs because Jesus was the one that said it. So, whatever you whatever you got to whatever you think, but it worked for him. I got the same spirit. You got the same spirit. What are we going to do with it? What are you going to do with it now? What are you going to do? How are you going to start talking? How are you going to start speaking? And you know, there are sometimes I'm not telling you to rebuke everybody that's around. You know, when people at work are saying crazy stuff about the coronavirus and. You know, I don't know, we could all get it and die and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying that you got to be, you know, the scripture police and rebuke everybody, okay? Just don't agree with it. Just don't agree with it. Either walk away or just stare at them. <laughs> I mean, I've had some people that, like, they were saying something that I just... Never answered them, just looked at them. And you know, it's funny, when you just look at people and they kind of know that you didn't get in line with that, it changes the conversation. goes a different direction. So I just challenge you, though, that as we're facing all these things, you know, the Bible says in the last days it will be perilous times. It will be perilous times. doesn't mean it's going to get better towards the end. It means it's going to get harder. But I got a great verse for that. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. 1 John 5, 4. We're going to beat this. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to beat this. We're going to come through this. This will be a great year. I, I just, I keep hearing the Lord say, get ready. It's, it's going to be a great year, but it ain't going to be a great year for everybody. It's going to be a great year because that's what you're believing for. That's your perspective. Bow your heads with me, if you would. Father, I thank you. Uh, I thank you, Lord God, that 
We're not just wandering around here on this earth, Lord, trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. But we have your word, Lord God. Lord, that your word, as the scripture says, has been tried seven times in the fire. Wow. I mean, it's tried. It's purified. It's pure. And you said, Lord, that as your word is in our hearts, Lord God, that it would flow out and it would create all kinds of culture and environment and issues around us. And so, Father God, I pray for all these believers today, Father God, that that the culture around them, that God, that if they're sitting in a place of dissatisfaction, whether it's their financial culture or their health environment or their 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 um, Lord uh, their their peace environment in their life, Lord God, Father, the joy is gone from them. Father, I just believe right now that God, that there is a power. That, Lord, the a release of your Holy Spirit, that same spirit of faith, Lord God, that's able to work mightily and uh, powerfully in them and, and through them. Now, listen, while your heads are bowed, if you're facing a challenge, and I don't care what kind of challenge it is, but if you're facing a challenge right now in your life that, look, you're, you, just want, you just want agreement with this thing. This thing is, this is, you know, maybe it's the thing I talked about, about the tax situation could be some physical thing you're f- battling. But do, the, do me a favor right now. If, if you're facing a challenge in your life, this, this, thing is, this thing is just constantly in front of you and it's aggravating you, I want you, to, I want you to step, I want you to come to me right now. Do it right now. Come on. Do it right now. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's hustle up. Amen. 